Welcome on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Thank you guys so much for coming with us on this Friday brunch time. We have had a great week of sports. Uh, a lot of good stuff happening on. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about Tiger Woods' return to the Masters. Of course, the Astros kicking off the season. Um, but the biggest thing coming out of this weekend was that Final Four Hope everybody had a chance to watch it. Uh, Nova actually won their second title within the th- uh, within three years. Uh, but first off, I want to talk about the best thing I saw, that women's tournament. It was crazy, Will. Like, that was probably the best Final Four in women's basketball history. Absolutely. I, and if you didn't get a chance to watch it, it was two back-to-back buzzer beaters by uh, Notre Dame. And I hope I don't butcher her last name, uh, Ogan Boali actually uh-huh. hit those last two buzzer beaters against uh, against UConn on Friday, and then on Monday they actually played against Mississippi State. Hit that last second three, sixty-one to fifty-eight. Did you see this coming, Trina? Because you are our native women's college basketball expert. Okay, so initially in the UConn game, I didn't think Notre Dame would beat them. I thought they had a chance, but when she hit that buzzer beater. It was clean. She didn't show up until the end of, I want to say, the the half of the game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so for her, it was it was a big shift of momentum for Notre Dame when they did get to the final game. And so she had that confidence. She carried that confidence all the way through. So did I see it in the in the first game of the final four, the semifinals? No. But in that mm-hmm. championship game, I saw when she had the ball at the end of the game. I knew I knew the shot was good. Yes. I knew the shot was good. Yes. And you know it was it was really impressive cuz she didn't start off that well. I mean, I think she ended on ended right. up shooting 6 of 17 from the field. Mm-hmm. Um but You know what they say about her um it's been happening all year though. She's not a very good start. Like she doesn't have a very good start to mm-hmm. the games, but her ending her second halves of every game this season has been clutch. Yes. And I mean, that that shot she was moving away uh, to the right. I think she was on the right side of the yeah. three-point line uh-huh. and she was fading away and basically threw it up. And I think Mississippi State has only had one loss on the year if I'm if I'm not mistaken or only had one loss going into that game. So Yeah, and that 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 was a tough game because that game actually went down to the wire. Like yes, it, it was did. at the very Notre Dame was actually down uh-huh. they were trailing the whole game until second half came and they started picking it up and I mean that last minute was just very it was just interesting and it, it was really great was. to see for women's college basketball it really really was and you know I think it's actually a good thing now we've got a little bit of a little bit of parody now that UConn's not it hasn't won the national title in two years now they've lost Two years in a row yeah, in, in the, the semifinals. Sem- yeah. yeah, yeah. My goodness. So I mean, uh, that being said, I undefeated. Mean, yeah, they were undefeated going into the final four, and they've lost on buzzer beaters in two consecutive years. So yeah, they're not that far off. But at the same time, it's nice to see a little bit of parity yeah. happening in women's college basketball. But that being said, I mean, do you think do you think the UConn reign? Do you think it's over the dynasty? I won't say it's necessarily over because they still always have one of the top three recruiting classes every year. So you never really know how it's going to be. But I think that this changes everything for women's college basketball. I mean, you, you it's unpredictable now as mm-hmm. far as two years ago, three years ago, it would always be, okay, you know UConn's mm-hmm. going to go. Or when Brittany Griner was at Baylor, yes. you know Baylor's going to go and win it. So now it kind of changes the whole the whole perimeter mm-hmm. of women's college basketball. Yes, it does. Yeah. And Gino Ariemo, as you said, I mean, if there's one thing he's shown 
talent and ability to do it's recruit mm-hmm. at a high level right. for year year in and year out. So it'll be interesting, yeah, to see next year if you know if they get back to that national semifinals and if they actually end up losing on another buzzer beater. That, that will happened, hurt. It would. I mean, hey, three years in a row. I mean, my goodness, if they lost in the semifinals going undefeated, yeah. I, I I have to imagine that's completely unprecedented if something like that happened with them. You want to know what's crazy? The scariest part about the whole Final Four was that Notre Dame actually had four players that had ACL injuries. Really? And those four players are very, like, they're starters. Really? And Notre Dame won this with without a senior. Wow. That is, that's impressive. So they're going to be right back. So we'll be right back there next year. Yeah. They'll be right back. Yeah. My goodness. And of course, yeah, as, as you highlighted, I mean, the, the, uh, Ogan, uh, Ogan Balawale. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I hope I got that right again. I, if she's listening out there by she's some a, chance. I think she's a junior. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. And she, as you said, I mean, she was clutching this in that second half. Yeah. Uh, but transitioning a little bit back to the men's national title, which mm-hmm. wasn't quite as exciting. And, you know, I hate to say, I told you so about Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did. And I kind of saw it coming to wheel, but the thing was I thought Kansas would give them – they, they gave him a little bit of fight, mm-hmm. but I thought that it would go down to the wire wire. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I believe Newman uh, for Kansas, who had been stepping up all all year long for, yeah. for him. You know, Kansas has been kind of a hit and miss team. They've, uh-huh. They have obviously got the talent full of uh, McDonald's All-Americans on their team. Unfortunately, yeah, they just had another one of those games where they just couldn't seem to get it together yeah. for a full uh, for a full uh, full 40 minutes of right. the game. But, uh, yeah, that being said, I mean, uh, you know, Villanova coasted through the Final Four, uh, highlighted but, by the 79-62 championship win over Michigan. Yeah, I'm not going to say they necessarily coasted because they did have to earn everything that they did. What I saw from Villanova and what I had been seeing from them the whole year, and not just this year, every year, they always come with that de- defensive energy. And like mm-hmm. I told you, like, that's one of the most disciplined teams yes. in college basketball. So even in that final game, when they got ahead by 10 points, 12 mm-hmm. points, they played the same way. They played with the same defensive intensity and they they kept running that offense smooth and they did everything that they had to do with discipline yes they they certainly did yeah and of course uh in that last game there was uh you know they got 36 points from the bench mm-hmm. uh, which is always huge 31 of them coming from dante uh divincenzo yeah um, came out of nowhere I, aver- right. I think he was averaging 13 points on the year pro- probably their best bench player but for a guy to step up like that on the biggest stage mm-hmm. that, that was that was pretty incredible to see yeah it was because they did have a slow start to the mm-hmm. game but he probably was like their um you know their energy guy and mm-hmm. when he come in and you see one of your energy guys stepping up like that it's like they have the green light all night like yes. we're gonna ride with this guy we're gonna ride him all yes. the way through yes and they certainly didn't i think i believe he shot seven of nine from three point from three point he was absolutely unconscious out there yeah but the one thing i think that this uh that this national championship uh showed i actually think it showed a couple th- things jay wright the villanova head coach mm-hmm. i think has cemented himself as one of the best coaches in college basketball yeah. I mean, you think about it, that team, if I'm not mistaken, did not have one McDonald's All-American on their team. Mm-mm. Not one. So they, you know, and that brings up another interesting argument. Do you think that, do you think that this, the college basketball and the men's game is kind of shifting now away from the one and done, kind of being the highlight of the seasons? And, you know, Kentucky had it a few years ago where they mm-hmm. won the title with Anthony Davis and uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, the all, the all true freshmen that eventually went to the draft. But I think that college basketball might be changing a little bit. I, I think it's changing, but not that drastically. Um, I think it's changing for the simple fact that a lot of the guys that come in, I'm not going to necessarily say they're lazy, but they almost don't really care if mm-hmm. they go to the national championship or not because they know they're going to get drafted. Yeah. If you think about it, like a lot of these Cinderella teams, they've had seniors, they've had like mm-hmm. veteran leadership on their teams, and that's why they were able to pass up these guys 
who are very young, but mm-hmm. they go to these big big division ones. And even with Villanova, mm-hmm. discipline, uh, juniors and seniors on the team, and it just that all plays a part in it as well. Like yes. most teams that go this far, um, you know, they're 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 hoping to raise their stock in the final four. Definitely, definitely. There there's there's a little bit less of a team mentality. And I'm not gonna say of course all all one yeah. and done guys are coming in there with that, you know, right. with that uh me mentality. But right. you know, it does it does, you know, in these last few years, of course, uh last year North Carolina won a veteran team before that the year before that, Villanova, as we highlighted, their mm-hmm. second uh their first of their two titles in three years. Right. Uh, was really highlighted by a very veteran team, a very disciplined team. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I it's yeah, I think I think we are we're all infatuated with the one and done when it first came in. Right. And I think of course now you're seeing everybody kind of shift away from that. They want to see more of these guys going straight into pro basketball as opposed to college. And I think that's kind of rubbing off on some of these players that, you know, now yeah. you're starting to see them go to G League teams, go play in Europe before they actually go play in college basketball. Right. And I think that sucks. I think that sucks a little bit because these guys, they coming in, they going to school for that semester. Mm-hmm. All right, second semester, January through May. January through mm-hmm. May is here. If I know I'm going to the NBA, why am I going to be even exactly. keeping up with classes? Why am I going to even, you know, try? I'm just going to show up just so I can keep playing the games enough to pass. But I, I think that hurts on both ends. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of highlighted on when you were actually in Australia yeah. trying out for the uh, women's professional basketball team. But uh, let me go ahead and ask you this now. I mean, it, you know, now that we're on the topic, do you think that college athletes should have the opportunity to go straight from high school into the pros or? I do I honestly do like if they were like a Kobe Bryant or mm-hmm. a LeBron James like somebody of that you know caliber I feel like they should have that opportunity but one thing I, I don't like about it is that once you go that route you can't go to college but I think mm-hmm. they should have like a program in separation that allows these players who to see if they're actually NBA yes. ready and then it, if it doesn't work out okay mm-hmm. now I can go to college and you know now I know what I need to work on yeah. but if you go that route, I think it should be a stipulation of two to four years. Yes, I, I agree a hundred percent with you on that one. And I think really the sport that's gotten down pat is college baseball. Oh yeah. If you look at college baseball, there's a couple things that they do there. Of course, the guys can go can get drafted, go straight mm-hmm. out of go straight out of high school. Um, into the pros they have the opportunity to get drafted and still go to college right and then on top of that once they get to college they can get drafted once they're in college but if they don't like if they don't like where they're at in the draft they can always return back to college yeah so i just feel like there's a lot of things that they could do to, to really update this yeah and i love that i love that about baseball because even a lot of uh, junior college players i know they signed to the minors mm-hmm. uh minor leagues oh yeah and um for me like that's a big deal Mm -hmm. to be able to have that option and be able to go back if it doesn't work out absolutely yeah and there definitely is some type of change coming within college basketball uh it's necessary over the last you know 10 or 15 years as long as the one and done's been around it's really been interesting to see how that evolved I'm here with my host, as always, Trina Guri. Been hey, talking. <laughs> I've been talking a little bit about that national title. Honestly, how that women's was way more exciting than the men's tournament. Yeah, the men's. I mean, yeah, the men need to step it up. They the really women's do. tournament was like great. It was history in the making. It so. absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, hey, to go, we're two years removed from Villanova hitting that buzzer beater in the mm-hmm. men's tournament, which and North Car- North Carolina did. Yeah, as well. yeah, North yeah North Carolina. That was a pretty exciting national championship. So hopefully, ne- next year they step it up. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about it and. Before before we move on to the Astros, I actually, uh, you know, I kind of want to continue a little bit on it. Of course, the one and done really has been dominating, you know, college basketball's headlines for the last year, two or three years. Yeah. And now that we do get into the offseason, that is going to be the that is going to be the reoccurring headline in that. 
Um, Trina was actually talking about how she was a fan of letting guys go straight out of yeah. high school. I'm a big fan of the one and done, but I feel like after high, I feel like after high school, those players that are like Kobe Bryant and are like LeBron James, they should have the opportunity to go and like it should be a filter between the pro and the college league. They should be able to test it out and see if they like it. And if it doesn't work for them and they figure out what mm-hmm. it is that they actually need to work on, then I feel like it should be a stipulation of two to four years. Yes. Yeah, I, two I, to four years to play college if it doesn't work out. I agree 100%. Yeah. And I mean, the 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 way the NBA is currently uh, outlined for these guys, they can, you know, they can go and test the waters to some extent and go to the actual training, uh, the NBA combine. Um, and used to, they could only do that one time throughout their course of the career, or for, throughout their career in college. They could go for one time, try out, and then yeah. they could return to college if they wanted to. Now, after that year, if they went and tried it out again, they had to enter the NBA draft. They got rid of that, yeah. so they can actually go test it out as many times as they want. But still, there definitely, there definitely needs to be some type of update to it because at this point, these guys, these guys that go in there and go get undrafted, it's yeah. really causing a lot of problems for them and causing a lot of problems for college basketball. Right, and uh, the thing is, they would they would be able to go back and finish school, but they wouldn't be able to go back and play the play ball. Mm-hmm. So the thing with that to me, it sucks on both ends because now you're having to try to figure out how you're going to pay for your education. What if you can't get it? You don't get a chance to get a job exactly internationally or for the D League or you know it just sucks. It, it really does, yeah, for the for the players. And I think I mean I think at this point. I've been saying it for a long time, and we're way long time away from that happening. If it ever happens, is pay, actually paying college athletes. I feel like I feel like there would be a lot more incentives that would actually promote them staying in college a lot longer oh, than, yeah. than going straight to the NBA if they could, you know, live feasibly mm-hmm. um, and provide a little bit as well as getting a college education as opposed to basically living living off uh, living off of basically no, nothing since they're not allowed to have jobs or anything like that. Yeah, so. they get a little bit of a pension back with the financial aid because a lot mm-hmm. of them, they probably qualify for their Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, college athlete, you got the look fly. You, yeah. I mean, <laughs> people don't necessarily tell you how to spend your money and they can't because you're grown now. So you have to learn how to manage the little bit that you do get. But I'm not saying it's enough to su- sustain them throughout the year, but it you know maybe a grand maybe two but mm-hmm. it's not enough to get anybody by for a whole year yeah it, re- it really isn't and i mean I, of course as we highlighted there's definitely some type of change coming within college basketball they're going to have to update something yeah uh something in there you know there's been the issues with these nike adidas programs mm-hmm. basically funneling these kids that they're that they're paying yeah. into these into these programs yeah so unfortunately there i mean that's causing some issues in it itself but you know there will be some there definitely will be some updates and really the last time that we've seen you know the one and done really successfully work is Uh for that kentucky team who you know won that national title back a few years ago so but i think it should be like baseball like you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. like they should have the opportunity to do that and if it doesn't work out they should be able to go to college absolutely yeah yeah not not basically be locked into having to go to the pros but yeah and again like i said the last time that happened was with that kentucky national championship team Mm -hmm. but another championship team that we're going to be talking a little bit about those defending world series champion houston astros off to that hot six and one start go astros (laughs) (laughs) they kicked off the season last uh thursday against the texas rangers the heated rivalry of theirs the texas rangers where they went in and won three of four um starting off of course uh to a uh, three and one start before coming back and sweeping the orioles to go to be start off six and one 
Man, the Astros, they're coming out. When they came out, they're making a statement. They're letting you know, look, we are the defending champs. They, re- they really did. And uh, I hope everybody out there got a chance. Did you get a chance to see the World Series ring ceremony? See those huge rings oh, on them? Oh, my God. That was probably the time of their lives. Like, that. that's... Man, that's something that you can't buy. You can't uh-huh. buy the experience of it, the wind, the thrill, the everything about it. You can't you can't buy that back. So it's beautiful. It really is, yeah. And it, it was funny. Uh, Justin Verlander, the Astros star pitcher, was uh, courtside at the Rockets game uh-huh. uh, with his uh, with his now wife Kate Upton, the supermodel, and she <laughs> had a, you know you noticed it before before they won the World Series. She had a huge diamond ring on her. Yeah. Well, Justin Verlander wore his World Series <laughs> ring out there and was just flashing that thing everywhere. It was I mean compared to Kate Upton's, I mean hers looked completely small. So it was awesome to see that get. Awesome to see him get that World Series ring. And as we stated, they're off to a better start than they even had last year. That's scary. Yeah. And, we, yeah, and I feel like I, I, we've kind of talked about in the past, this team on paper looked better than the team they had last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with sports, it's it's always different. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get different, uh, you know, different personalities, uh, different things get in there, it can change some things. So you never know if on paper a team is supposed to be as good as they are. But the Astros are really holding up to that right now and really looking like they're a better team than they were last year. Yeah, I'm excited for them. And one thing I can say, man, the city has really been behind them since last year. I mm-hmm. mean, the city's always been behind the Astros, but I mean, it's just been on another level since last year. I don't know, like directly after the hurricane yes. hit, it's just been crazy. Like the support, the support has been through the roof. It the really Astros. has. Yeah, you go anywhere now, and it's so different than it was five years ago. You know, right. you. You, maybe I'd say one in every 150, 200 people you would see wearing Astros gear. But now yeah. you walk down the street, everybody, and everybody's got the got the orange on. Yeah. Everybody's repping it, whether you know whether they're bandwagon fans or not. I right. guess that's not for me to say. No, I'm just playing. Guess but. it really doesn't matter when you're in the city, right? <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Yeah, very true. Yeah. But yeah, as we said, I mean, they really look better than they did last year. Uh, we noted coming into this year that their pitching staff was mm-hmm. really, really going to take a big step up from last year. Last year, they didn't have one guy on their staff that pitched over 150 innings, which is which is having a guy pitch 150 innings on a World Series team is a given. But last year, that offense was just so good that they made up for it in every aspect. It was man, incredible. Yeah, they did. It's like, man, they pick each other up. When, when one got down, they pick each other up. Like, you're not going to walk around with your head down. Mm-hmm. We're going to get back into it. Even when they got down yeah you know they got right back up so mm-hmm. and that's great leadership that's great you know humbleness within each other that's yes a brotherhood that's everything just standing behind each other 100 percent. yes resiliency I, mm-hmm. I, as you i mean last year when they when they were playing the, the yankees in the alcs uh went to new york lost three games in a row it almost looked like it was over it, it did yeah i mean every i mean i coming back i was not too hopeful on it on either, paper you know. it was over we'll it, it, i mean it looks it looks pretty skeptical i mean we yeah. had justin verlander coming back for game six which was a good thing but game seven was i mean i didn't know what was going to happen they, game seven they got on a roll once they got hot yes. in game seven they got on the roll and they didn't look back yes and the thing that's going to be interesting you know as we said you know their pitching staff is definitely gonna be better mm-hmm. they returned everybody from their starting lineup or starting lineup in the uh in the from the World Series, yeah. Um, but on top of that, they're going to be getting one of their top prospects, one of the top prospects in baseball, Kyle Tucker, uh, who actually started his minor league debut yesterday. Went two for three, and he's going to come up, and he's really going to be the, one of those next superstars. I'm telling you right now, keep an eye on him coming up because once they add another superstar into this, this team is going to be incredibly scary. They already have a roster full <laughs> of superstars, so it, that is scary. It is insane. It really is. And I mean, I mean, if you look at any championship team in mm-hmm. the past. If, any sport it the very few times do you come back saying a team coming off its defending world ti- uh, world title 
that the team is better. The team right. is better than the previous year. And you know what? I think that's a big reason because of trades that happen. Mm-hmm. Guys get their ego. And then, you know, if you're on a championship team and you probably wasn't one of the top paid players, then you go to these other yes. offers where they're going to pay you. And I love that these Astros came back. Yes. And <laughs> and we'd be remiss not to highlight another t- uh, another thing with the Astros. Jose Altuve signed oh. a, a five-year, $150 million extension. That's a big bonus for him because didn't he come in as like, begging to play basically yes. not begging but like he he needed this he needed yes. the opportunity and the fact that they paid him minimum yes and to see the payoff now mm-hmm. mvp like come on yes yeah jose altuve has completely captured the heart of the city i mean yeah. as you know before yeah he he's from venezuela the astros uh-huh. are one of the teams that have uh baseball camps set up in the latin american countries venezuela i believe they have one in uh, dominican republic as mm-hmm. well so they essentially let these guys come in, uh, train on their facilities, and they'll do tryouts where they can basically sign them, uh, funnel them into their minor league system. Jose Altuve was one of those guys that tried out for the minor league system, yeah. and he was told multiple occasions not to come back for the next day of tryouts. He just continued to come right. back until they offered him they, a, min- a minimum contract, I believe, of $10,000. And at that point, he went to the minor leagues and completely even... shot through it. Yeah, like yeah. ten thousand, like you can't even really get by with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pro pro sport. <laughs> yeah, real. I mean, yeah, and I mean to see where he's come from from there. You know, shot through the minor leagues. Minor leagues. The first contract extension that he offered, uh, uh, that he uh, signed with the Astros, he basically signed for nothing. Right. He, I mean, we were paying him pennies on the dollar. And now he's got that $150 million extension, which honestly for his value is still... It's still I, under. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I think his mm-hmm. that contract starts in two years. This upcoming offseason, you're going to see players st- signing for north of $400 million, I believe. It, which is completely unprecedented, completely insane. So I think I think we got a really good bargain on Jose Altuve, a guy that's an MVP. Yeah, but the one thing about him is he built his foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to he had to come from the turf. Yes. he had to come from Venezuela, come and make his mark and be resilient in that minors to get the chance with the Ash. Like he's building his mark, so he's definitely going to be one of those players that's around after he's done playing. Yes, for sure. And I mean, at you know the five, the, he, essentially his contract altogether. He, we've got seven more years with Jose Altuve. Um, so we're gonna have we're gonna have seven more years of Jose Altuve. Yeah. We're gonna have at least four more years of Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa. So combo. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, three years from now. I don't think there's gonna be a better duo middle uh, up uh, a better middle infield than the Houston Astros have right now. And yeah. I think in baseball history, I think it's gonna be one of the best of all time. So hey, let's do it, Houston. I know, right? So they're, yeah, they're definitely gonna. I, I think at this year they're gonna get back uh, at least to the playoffs. The division w- uh-huh. within the AL West is completely non-competitive. So uh, definitely gonna be interesting to see how that shakes up. Um, of course, they're going to be at home this weekend facing the San Diego Padres. First time they actually have done that, I think, since 2015. So, oh. going to be yeah, going to be interesting to get the uh, get a team, uh, you know, get a National League team that they haven't seen in a while back in there. Yeah, it um, should be fun. It really, it, yeah, it, it really should be. So, of course, uh, Astros definitely looking to get back there. I'm sure they're going to be showing off those World Series rings once they get uh, once they get, uh, you, know, you know start it. this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to highlight, of course, if anybody's going out there, they will be having some uh, awesome giveaways. They're going to give away a mini uh, Astros uh, championship uh, championship trophy and replica rings on How Saturday. How awesome well. is it? Yeah, I know they're really going all out on, yeah. these, on, the, on these fan giveaways and things. So it's really awesome to see that they're really giving back to the city like that. Houston Rockets, they. Man are coming off an incredible or well actually almost gave up an incredible lead to the Portland Trailblazers last night yeah. a Trailblazers team without Damian Lillard I'll have to note 
But they were able to win 96-94 on a last-second field goal from Chris Paul, moving them to 64-15 and on the year. Trina, is there anything else that we can say about this team at this point? I mean, honestly, Will, I don't think so. These guys have proven, proven, proven week after week that they do deserve this number one spot, and they do deserve the best record in the NBA, regardless of how ugly the game is. Mm-hmm. Who wins? Yes. It, it just seems like, I mean, of course, outside of that uh, blowout loss to the Spurs, which yeah. again, you know, now that they do have the number one seed locked up there, I'm sure there is a level of the game that they're toning back to a little a little bit. They don't want to have guys hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, I, I highly doubt you're going to see them play as many minutes as they were earlier in the season. Right. So, you know, not to, not to give them an excuse or anything, but to still see them not, you know, playing against these teams with having everything to play versus us with nothing to play. You know, still coming out on the winning end of it is is just impressive. Yeah, and like I said earlier, man, I think that the the team itself, when they're able to win games without either James Harden or without Chris Paul, or when they can't step up, that mm-hmm. says a lot about the team in general. Like this is probably one of the best benches we've had, best role oh, players yeah. we've had. Everybody plays their role. You never really see people go outside of what they do, no yes. matter how good or you know not so good they are. You never see the Rockets players get out of character within they, the team. Yes, they know their roles. I mean, it's I mean everybody coming off the bench, they yeah. know their roles. I mean, this is just an incredibly impressive team. And I know there's a lot of comparisons to this team versus, you know, Mike D'Antoni's Suns teams in the early right. 2000s. There is a lot of similarities stat-wise, and, you know, everybody always knows how the Suns always ran into the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs, the, the perennial dynasty at the time. Yeah. And a lot of people are comparing it now to the Golden State Warriors right. uh, of how, you know, the, they expect the Rockets to run into them. But I think this is a different team than, the, than those Suns teams. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, as we noted, they're 64-15. and 15. They've locked up the number one overall seed. Really nothing left to play for. But as we stated before we went to the break, I think there still is a lot to play for. Right. Because if you look tomorrow, they're going to host the Oklahoma City Thunder. And looking at the 1 through 10 seeds in the West, right now at 4, th- uh, four through 10, nobody's locked up a playoff spot. It's anybody's game. Anybody can. Any one of these teams can go in any type of order. Currently, of course, the Rockets, Golden State, and Portland are around out the top three. Oklahoma City, though, is sitting right there at that number six seed. And if the Rockets can take a victory from them tomorrow, that is going to push them back to the seventh seed with only three or two games remaining on their schedule. Mm-hmm. And a seventh seed would mean a first-round matchup with the Golden State Warriors. Like I told you, Will, if it's one team that I'm worried about, when it comes to playoffs, it is the OKC Thunder. And I'm I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm worried about the game tomorrow, but I am definitely going to be watching. But I think they're going to wear us out. They're going to wear us out. But we have to prove tomorrow that we can beat them. We can beat them if we have to play, to, mm-hmm. uh, play them in the playoffs because we don't know. They might end up a number eight seed. Yes. And, you know, the thing that makes me most scared about the Thunder, and honestly what doesn't make me worry about them at all, is the same thing. It's it's Russell, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I just – I don't have faith in him in the last two minutes of games. He is an incredible talent. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. But if you look at if you look at the last two minutes of games, you watch him in the last two minutes, and, and you know, I believe it was about a week ago or two he was playing the Spurs where mm-hmm. they had an opportunity to basically close out the game, and he took two completely ill-advised three-point shots yeah. and airballed them both. So, yeah. you know, he's one of the league's worst three-point shooters, and mm-hmm. I just think he shoots that way too much, but... 
He has that confidence thing about him where you really can't tell him, hey, Russ, turn it down. Uh-huh. Or, because when he's up, he's up. He plays the game with 100% energy. Um, I'm not worried about them when it comes to him as well. But what I am worried about is the fact that they have Paul George. Yes. They have Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not worried about them either because if you notice in the last couple of games, Carmelo couldn't close the games yes. out. Mm-hmm. So they, they're not good on the closing end. The Rockets mm-hmm. have shown that they can close. Oh, yeah. They can close. Yes, With absolutely. Gerald Green, you know, coming off the bench, mm-hmm. he hitting game winners. Like, we have bench players that are – you know, able to close games. Mm-hmm. And the OKC Thunder star players can't close games. So I'm not that, that worried. But. Yes. But, I, you know, and I, you know, as I was noting, you know, if we win tomorrow or the Rockets win tomorrow, they're going to mm-hmm. be sitting in the seventh seed. And I think the thing that you noted was absolutely spot on. The one thing that they do well is they wear teams out. Yeah. And you think about them, if they're going to be in the seventh seed uh, facing Golden State in the first round, Golden State will be without Steph Curry. That's already been confirmed. He yeah. will not be in for the first round. Russell Westbrook is likely to have a field day driving the oh, ball yeah. against guys like Sean Livingston, who especially going against Kevin Durant. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he, he is going to have he's going to have so much energy. He's going to have a lot to prove. I, you know, so I don't think even without Steph Curry, I don't think the Oklahoma City Thunder get past Golden State in the first round. But like you said, they wear teams out. Yeah, and I think that's a six or seven game series with the Golden State with the Golden State Warriors. Oh yeah, it definitely is. But I definitely see. Um, KD possibly being able to carry the load, but I'm not sure. But Quinn Cook has definitely stepped mm-hmm. up for the Golden State Warriors as a point guard. He's been efficient. Yes. But they they actually beat OKC the other night. They did. They did. Be, uh, Kevin Durant, yeah, did have a very good game and against And Quinn them. Cook was a starting point guard yes. because Sean Livingston didn't play for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they could they, – they, I believe you when, they, when you say that uh, you feel that they can go to six or seven games, but – to be able to finish it, I mm-hmm. think Golden State might be able to get it. I don't know. I agree. I, and <laughs> yeah, like I said, I mean, I think Golden State wins that. Um, and I, but I think they're competitive games. And you know, yeah. I think the biggest thing coming out of that is, like you said, they wear teams out. Mm-hmm. So getting those getting those Golden State Warriors tired before they get get to a possible Western Conference Finals matchup uh, with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And then if you look at the next round, they're likely to face uh, Portland. Um, and Portland's another team that you know can can cause a lot of fits for teams. So you know it's going to be interesting to see that. And the other thing that I wanted to highlight with the Golden State Warriors, of course, they actually just got blown out last night by the Indiana Pacers. I think it was a one twenty two one hundred six loss. Uh, Kerr after the game called the Warriors' effort pathetic, quote unquote pathetic. Yeah. Um... The Indiana Pacers, they are not a team that you should be losing no. by that much to. They're very, very young. They don't have any veteran. I think their veterans may be 24, 25 years old. Yes. So. It, yeah. I mean, Victor Oladipo has had an amazing year for, yeah. the, for the Indiana Pacers. But for the defending world champs and a team that that people are expecting to yeah. get back there, that's not a game they should lose. Not at all. Yeah. I just think it's interesting because uh, Steve Kerr, the, the Golden State Warriors head coach, has really been calling this team out for the last month. He it, has. I mean, it is it's incredible to just see a coach and I, I get it every now and then, but you know, he goes back to when he let the coaches or he let the players coach themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called this team's effort pathetic. And I mean, just countless other things that I'm not sure. I, I'm 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 starting to think that these Warriors might be starting to doubt themselves a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's no control. There's no I mean, I don't really see the leadership right now. Um, I don't know if the players are going to be going their separate ways after this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, a lot is at stake right now. And if they don't go to the Western Conference Finals, at least this year, I say we'll look forward to a new Golden State team next year. Really? Wow. Now, that's that's that, I mean, that's a bold statement right there. Of course, they've won yeah. two of the last uh, two of the last three uh, world, uh, NBA titles. 
Um, so, I mean, that's a, you know that's a big statement right there. And, of course, it's yeah. going to be interesting, though, because this doesn't look I and mean, doesn't feel like the same Warriors teams in the past. Yeah, and then on top of that, Will, you, when you think about it now, it seems like they're, I don't know, they're just out of whack. Yeah. Um, Kevin, you got Kevin Durant. You got uh, Draymond Green. You, I mean, but after that, it's like who else is really stepping mm-hmm. up to the plate? Yeah. And I mean, if we, if, you know. Clay if, is here up and down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, if we really like, you know, indulge ourselves and talk and go ahead and, you know, talk about a, a Rockets, Warriors, Western Conference Finals, you know, if, if people are still giving the edge to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I, you know, it kind of feels, I, I kind of feel like the Rockets are similar in a lot of ways to when this Warriors team was first coming up that nobody wanted to give them the credit. Right. You know, the writing is, I feel like it's completely on the wall. You know, the Rockets are a much more efficient team. I think in the last few in the last month or two they've been a much better defensive team than the Warriors. And as you've said in the past, I mean their bench is just so much better than the Warriors. I'm just I, I'm not sure why people aren't doubting the Warriors as much as as much as you know, I am. You know what I think, Will, in, in, in the people's defense, I think that they're doubting the Rockets because of look at how they've closed out the mm-hmm. last couple of years in the playoffs mm-hmm. with James Harden. Like until he proves himself mm-hmm. The Warriors will always have the upper edge over the Rockets, no matter what the roster. I mean, no matter what the um, status of the team rankings mm-hmm. are. So yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously James Harden. The questions always surround him in the playoffs. He's yeah. you know last year in the first and second. I mean, in the first round and in the games that they won against San Antonio in the second round, he did play. He did play a huge part in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, you know, we always go back to that game six against the Spurs was just. It just wasn't the same James Harden that you were seeing on the court. And, yeah. And, but, you know, and I think a lot of that goes to fatigue. I think a lot of that is because he was tired. He mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, he wasn't himself. So, you know, and we've said in the past, having Chris Paul on this team, it just adds a whole other dynamic to this, uh, to the, to this team. Elevates yeah. them in the ch- uh, championship caliber. Having another guy like that, even though he hasn't gotten to the Western Conference Final, he's a guy that's always performed in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about that compared to a lot of other uh, people, you know, in the national media, the, yeah. the Colin Cowards, the Skip Baylesses, <laughs> and things like that. But, you know, I, I just think I, I, I just think we've got too much firepower not to compete with the Warriors. I mean, I understand that we'll at the end of the day. I'm hoping that the Rockets do everything that they need to do, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to stick firm with James Harden has to show us. Yes. He yeah. has Chris Paul. There is no excuse. I, I agree. I agree 100 <laughs> percent. And I, and like I said, I you know, I'll go out and go out and say it. I, I'm going to go out on a bold prediction and say that. Uh, the Rockets are not too bold of a prediction, but the Rockets and Warriors will meet in those Western Conference Finals. But I think what's going to be interesting is I think that you're going to see the Rockets have only played the minimum eight games. I think they're going to sweep through likely Minnesota, who they'll likely see in the first round. Um, and you it, think that's going to be a sweep? I think that's going to be a sweep. Ooh, I don't think Minnesota. Not one game. I, no, I don't think Minnesota has the ability to contain us in half court like they want to. I think we're going to get out in transition. And I think we're going to run away with that mm. game. And Jimmy Butler is he even going to be back at that point? Who knows? Oh, you're right, Will. You got a point, but I don't really know. Those Timberwolves are still a young team. They are. They, they're hungry. They are. Fire power in the front are. court. Yep, I agree. And then I think in the second round they'll they'll probably either face, of course, Utah or San Antonio. I think they'll probably probably sweep through that, but I yeah. think on the other on the uh, on the reverse, and I think Golden State's going to play at least at least twelve games. I think. Yeah, because I mean they don't have Steph in that first round. That's going to be a seven game series if they have to go against OKC. Now, one team that is not going to have any smooth sailing for them is the Boston Celtics. After the horrific injury from Gordon Hayward to <sighs> put him out for the entire season in Game One, they now have just found out that Kyrie Irving is going to be out for a full or for the full playoffs. Going to have surgery on that knee. I mean, we can all but count them out at this point, right? It sucks because that first 
couple seconds of the opening game of the NBA mm. season yeah. against uh, Boston and the Cleveland, Cla- Cleveland Cavs. Yeah, Cle- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Boston actually could beat them. Yes. Like, it I did. mean, it didn't last very long. No, yeah. But it seemed like Boston would be that team to give Cleveland a run for their money. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Gordon Hayward, uh, there was a video that was released this past week about him running. He was yeah, jogging. He's coming back. Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think that he's going to make a comeback this year? Do you think they're going to try and push it now that Kyrie Irving is out for the year and likely their playoff hopes are probably dashed at this point? No, I think they're going to go ahead and tank it mm-hmm. uh, because they know what they have to work with. Yeah. And I think it's not smart for you to rush a guy like oh, Gordon no. Hayward back after mm-hmm. the uh, injury that he had, yeah. you don't wear something like that back for a playoff that you're probably going to lose in the first round. Yeah, it, it would be a lot different if Kyrie Irving was there, and you know right. he's gonna he's gonna have the ball in his hands most of the time, and and Gordon Hayward could you know essentially turn into a yeah. glorified spot up shooter. That'd right. be a different ca- case, but. If they came back, he is going to be their primary. Yeah, their primary player. So yeah. at this point, it's you might as well rest them. Uh, at this point, I mean, because really, it's it looks like it's going to be between Toronto and Cleveland at this point. So yeah, I, I feel like for Boston, if they made some some major trades within that deadline mm-hmm. and they got the players, some key players that would be able to help Kyrie along the way, and Kyrie got hurt, and then Gordon came back. I think yeah, because yeah. it would give Cleveland a run. But you don't rush that. No, no, definitely not at this point. And as I said before, we went into the break. The person that has got to be, I think, relieved about this, and it's hard to say relieved. I'm not saying he was rooting on this injury by any means, but uh, LeBron James, you know that going into this playoff, that Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference is way less competitive than the Western Conference. So the recurring theme going through the play or going through the regular season and certainly going to pop up in the playoffs if Kyrie had stayed healthy was that possible Kyrie LeBron rematch, and which LeBron had nothing to gain from a matchup against uh, Kyrie. Not at all. I mean, I think I know for sure that um, Cleveland will be back in the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that this year Toronto might actually step up. They, they are, folded yeah. for the past few years against the Cavs, yes. sadly. Yes, they have. And, I mean, if you if you look at this Raptors team, it's a different team. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's a different team. DeMar DeRozan has learned how to shoot the three-point shot efficiently. Yeah. I don't expect Kyle – I mean, I guess it's hard to say it, but I don't think Kyle Lowry's going to choke like he has in past years. I hope not because he's, he's most certainly has choked. But I think this year might be a sense of pride for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think Cleveland will be able to coast through Toronto because they've been getting embarrassed by Cleveland for the yes. past couple of years. And that's just – Come on, man! Like yeah. you're an NBA player, you're you're an All Star. Mm-hmm. You have two All Stars on the team, and you guys are getting coasted by the Cavs. Yeah, and I mean the level of talent that the Cavs have on this team is not what it's been in years past. Right. So I definitely think it's anybody's game between in the Eastern Conference Finals. I still expect LeBron to yeah. go into a different mode. I still expect them to get back mm-hmm. to the finals, but I'm, I don't say that with 100 percent confidence at, at this point. I, you know, you can't say that they're back. Yeah. Most definitely, I think that Toronto do give them that seven game run, though. I, mm-hmm. I definitely think if they end up back in the uh, semi, semi Eastern Conference Finals against each, each uh-huh. other, that they um, they give them a seven game series. Yes, absolutely. Well, with the little time that we do have remaining, I do want to talk about somebody that I do know is back. Uh, Tiger Woods. We'd be remiss yeah. not to highlight it. <laughs> right. He's back in the Masters this week. Uh, highly anticipated. Vegas is odds-on favorite to win uh, to win the actual tournament. So uh, he's actually going to be teeing off today at twelve twenty-seven, uh, coming off of a one-over finish on yesterday. So not quite where he wanted to be, but still mm-hmm. in contention and. 
I just think I think Tiger is one of those fascinating guys in sports. He's just, definitely a legend. He's legendary. He really is. And I mean, with these past ten years, he hasn't won a major. Uh, you know, of course, everybody knows about all the drama that surrounded him, which you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to touch on because personally, I didn't never thought that it was anybody's business, right. and unfortunately, it cost him a good portion of his career. And of right. course, being injury, it's really it's really hurt him. But I think I think this is so fascinating because golf needs Tiger. Right. Tiger needs to be in contention. When you think about Tiger, well, when you think about golf, you think about Tiger Woods, and when you think about Tiger Woods, you think about golf. He's like our modern day Michael Jordan. Oh yeah, I guess with his sports. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, and I mean, he's just, I, you know, I hate the fact of how highly scrutinized he's been over the years, because um, I mean, I just don't think we're ever going to see a, a level of talent quite on his level. Yeah. I mean, a guy like you know, golf. I mean, if you're not an avid golf fan, you don't really look at golf as this exciting sport, what you want to watch. But anytime Tiger is in contention, I mean, everybody's glued to their TVs watching him in yeah. that, that Sunday red, you know, going out there and trying to compete for, for you know, for one of the championship titles. So, Yeah, it's definitely a sport of uh, strategy, and you can definitely see the passion behind Tiger every time he hits the ball. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, um, I didn't get it to where I needed yes. to be. But you can see him constantly strategizing and, you mm-hmm. know, just trying to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And I, so, I, you know, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say if, if he's in contention on Sunday, I think that golf is going to have an all-time record viewership. I don't think there's going to be yeah. any, anybody, uh, any watch golf event more than Tiger on Sunday if he is in contention. Uh, one thing I did want to say before we go, uh, did you – I hope – or I guess if you've got a strong stomach, you should go out there and watch a golfer by the name of uh, uh, Tommy Finau went mm-hmm. out there on the par three challenge and made a hole in one right before the tournament started and dislocated his ankle right there in the golf course. Ooh. He pops his ankle back into place and gets back up and starts walking again. And he's actually one of the guys in, in uh, I think tied for the lead right now at the master's tournament or at least going in today. So that's passion and heart and hard work and dedication. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So yeah, golf's created quite a, uh, quite a, uh, quite an interesting weekend at this point. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it shakes up for the rest of the weekend. Well, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in this Friday afternoon. We've had a great show. Trina, thank you again, as always, for being in here. Thank you, Will. But, of course, tune in next Friday. We're going to have some more interesting stuff, talk about those, those playoffs coming up. Thank you. You guys have a great one.